Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Amen. Amen. Has he done anything good for you this week? Amen. Yeah. God says that uh, we would show forth just truly the goodness of, of the things that he's done for us and by giving him praise and honor all those things that he so richly deserves. So uh, tonight, come on, let's praise him. Lord, we love you so much as we enter into your courts tonight. Just so thankful for what you've done, what you're doing. And God, we have just such a hopeful expectation of what you're going to do. Father, we have that hope, that expectant hope in you so thankful. God, tonight we just pray that you'd have your way as we lift our voices our hearts to you in worship. And God, even those folks, wherever this message may catch them, Father, they'd be doing the same. We give you all the glory, all the honor. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord for a few minutes. Come on. All right, rest us old people in here. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I would absolutely love, man, if y'all scooted in just a little bit. I, I know you, I, I'd love it if you would. And would it offend you if you would just a little? Just, I guess it will because nobody's moving. So I guess it would. I, it just, yeah, it just, it'd be so good. I'm going to teach a little bit tonight. And thank you all. I appreciate you coming. Some of y'all going to end up in the splash zone now. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you. Jesus had risen. Holy Ghost has been poured out. Peter has started preaching. We're going to pick up in verse 32. He said, This Jesus has God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has showed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but has said himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, say that same Jesus, whom you've crucified, both Lord, say Lord, and Christ, say Christ. So now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, 
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all those that are far off, even as many as our Lord God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation or crooked generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day there were added unto, unto them about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father, so thankful tonight for your word. Such power in your word tonight. God, I ask tonight, truly, Holy Ghost, just anoint my lips. Let it be you that comes forth. And God, open our souls tonight to receive. Father, we give you the glory ahead of time for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Ghost, as always, not only do we want to uh, just, God, let you just be the very one that directs all of this. But tonight, truly, I just pray that you tug on our hearts if we're away from you. Let this be a time, God, where we maybe just reconnect, but reconfirm, God, and just bring a, truly a holy composite of everything that this word says into our soul and into our life. We love you, Jesus. You all love it. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, do you even know who you're serving? So, amen. You can be seated tonight. Peter, on the anointing of the Holy Ghost, man, is preaching. And it's powerful. It's powerful. And he's directing this man at those folks that are there. And he's already declaring that what you've seen and what you've heard is exactly what God said would happen. He's pouring the Holy Ghost out. Now listen, the same thing that happened 2,000 years ago is still happening today on people that are willing and want uh, the precious power of the Holy Ghost to be poured out upon them. When he said those things which you see and hear, what that amounts to is this, is that people were hearing on the day of Pentecost as the mighty rushing wind had, had swept through there and the Holy Ghost came and fire fell upon the tongues of those that were there. Not only were they speaking in other tongues of the nations that were represented there at that time, but also they were hearing in their own dialect. And I want to tell you something about the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only will the power of the Holy Spirit direct what you say, but it will also help you in what you hear. That listen, and I spoke a little bit about this the other day in saying this, the reason I think it was Sunday, that I talked about the blood and having a biblical worldview and how that the high priest would anoint the other priest and how that they would anoint the right ear, the right thumb, the right big toe with the blood. And the reason that I've always seen it was that is this. And boy, what a, what a wonderful correlation today to our own life. I'm going to go back here again and say this, that boy, if we hear through the blood, if we do everything through the blood, if every step that we take is in the blood and for the blood of Jesus Christ, it'll begin to transform our life. Now, what that amounts to is this, is that no more flesh. No more flesh. That if we ask the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of an argument, if we will stop and say, Holy Ghost, help me right now to hear what I need to be hearing. Because when we hear with fleshly ears, we will respond with fleshly words. Amen? Amen, preacher. Right off the bat. Amen. Amen. So when he says this, when it starts here, so kind of just giving a little bit of a backdrop here. He said, this same Jesus. He said, this same Jesus. When he said that, you've crucified and met him both Lord and Christ. This is a thing tonight that it's hard enough for us to discern Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I want to break down Christ in this or Jesus in this as Jesus Christ and Lord, all of these things tonight and seeing that. And here, if we could just walk through it this way, that it's easy to come unto Jesus, the very one that saves us. How many of you are thankful tonight that you're born again? How many of you believe that that was just absolutely, you did that because you came to church and could sing Amazing Grace? Absolutely not. It still takes the blood of Jesus. And can I tell you something? Until the trumpet calls and until he calls his church away, it'll still take 
the blood of Jesus Christ. No more, no less. No more, no less. But this same Jesus, said we made him both Lord and Christ. When you look at that word Christ, I want to break this down now. The word is used 537 times in the New Testament. The word Christ is. The word is Christos that you heard me talk just a little bit about. It means the anointing. It means the anointed one. And listen, when we think about the anointing, many times you'll see somebody come up here and we will anoint them with oil and we'll pray over those and we'll pray, we'll pray for those that are sick. We do that as according to the word of God. If there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Anoint them with oil, believing that they'll fully recover. All right, we do it that way. That's a symbol of that. That means Holy Ghost. And really, it's a representation of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. Now, we think about Jesus, and we think about him. Okay, that when we look at this, and that we're looking at him as the Christ, as Christos, somebody said, well, where was his anointing? Well, of course, he was anointed in the womb. The Word of God said that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and she was conceived of the Holy Ghost. If you will, the anointing came at the very conception of the Holy Ghost of God. How does that relate to me? How does Christos relate to me? The very moment you were saved, Christ came into you. Can I get a witness? Listen, the way you were drawn was through the power of what? The Holy Ghost of God. That when Jesus, that when the Word said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. The Holy Spirit is what draws. It's got to be more than an emotional tug, an emotional pull, but it's a man, woman, or child coming under conviction of the power of the Holy Ghost and them coming to a wrecked place in their mind and in their soul and coming to a receiving place of Jesus Christ and then asking Him to sit on the throne of their heart, which is a whole lot harder than the day you got saved. I'm going to elaborate on this in just a moment. But that word means to smear. In the Old Testament... You would find three different, you would find three different, uh, if you will, you would find the prophet, the priest, and the king. You would find the anointing on those. I actually misstated something, I kind of misstated something, and I always want to go back and cover any track because I never want to lead you astray. What you'll find is this, is that you'll, all, you'll see the king's anointed. You can see that with Saul. You can see that with David. You can see that with Solomon. So those anointings would come. That's when they would pour that oil out. And listen, it wouldn't be just like a little dab will do you the way we do. They poured it out. I'm talking about poured it out from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And the Word of God alludes to that in the psalm when it says that, oh, if we could just pour that out, the way that that precious oil ran down, ran down Aaron's beard all the way to the bottom of his garment. All the way to the bottom of his garment. So when you begin to look at that, we can see, but the, when you look at the prophet, really the, the first indication or the first time, and, and really I can't think of another one, is when Elijah anointed Elisha to be the prophet behind him. You say, well, where's the oil? The oil wasn't there. I, I can't necessarily find that there. But what you will see is that Elijah cast his mantle upon Elisha. Now, here's what we've got to understand. That when we begin to correlate these, how many of you feel a connection with other Christians? Do you know what that is? It's not just where you go to church. That's the Holy Ghost. The Word of God tells us in the very time, Julie, that we're living in right now that we'll be able to discern these things and that we should be able to make that connection through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, not just by the love that the Christian shows, not just by the fruit that they bear, but also the third witness would be the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we look at that, there's a mantle. There's a mantle of the Holy Ghost that gets put on us. And isn't it amazing? I alluded to this also the other day, but isn't it amazing how that anywhere that Elijah 
could have cast or could have anointed Elisha, it was on the plow. I'm going to say this today because I'm going to tell you the anointing's not cheap and mantles are hard to come by. But he put it on the plow. We need some people today that will put their hand to the gospel plow of an almighty God and plow deep enough to go past the surface that I spoke about Sunday and get to the very soul of a person to find out. And if you will, how many of you ever plowed any ground? Okay, if you plow it, listen, the thing you're going to find, Larry, I bet you followed a mule or two back in the day, didn't you? I think you and I have talked about that. I didn't say, I said you followed a mule, not a, tri- not a, not a dinosaur. You followed a mule. So I'm going to keep this right here. So see, the thing is, when you were plowing that new ground, what you would do is that when you went deep, you turn rocks over. What the Holy Spirit will do is the very same thing in your life. That when the Holy Spirit is active in your life and when a man, woman, or whoever is under the anointing and that mantle is on them, the Holy Spirit will work on them and through them in such a way that when they plow, it'll turn over some rocks. I remember this probably a year ago now that many of you were about fed up with me. And it's okay. It's okay. But you said, would you please leave the parable of the souls? You've plowed there long enough. I'm finding that everything that is coming up is rocky ground to me. But this is the part. These are the hard things that God wants out of our life. It's the things like a critical spirit, a bitter spirit, envy, jealousy, all of those things. But when Holy Spirit conviction comes in, why is that? Because all of those things are opposite of what Jesus Christ is. And the Holy Spirit at the core level and even at the, at the pendulum, if you will, He will testify of Jesus Christ. And guess what? The rest of the time here, the Holy Spirit is not just counselor. He is convictor and he's comforter. But he is, if you will, he is actually the one that's getting the bride ready to meet the groom and preparing you to be more like Christ. Amen, preacher. So when we look at Christos, that's what that means. It means the anointed. And it's that very thing. So when we begin to see prophet, priest, and king, we can see these things unveil in Jesus. So when we look at the anointed one, we can look at this, that if we look at Jesus tonight as a prophet, the word of God says this in Matthew 12, 41, for you note takers, it says this, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and they're going to condemn it. Because they repented of the preaching of Jonah, and, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. A greater than Jonah is here. These are words out of his mouth. So Jesus, even there, proclaims himself to be more than a prophet, greater than the prophet of Jonah. And we all know about Jonah. He got swallowed by the fish, right? And for three days, he stayed in the belly of that, and then he come out. So Jesus, greater than that, even is speaking that, not just as prophecy, but also as the end, even in that. Then the Word of God says, Now when all those were baptized, it came to pass, and Jesus also was baptized, and praying, and the heavens was opened. That's another point of his anointing that was coming by even John the Baptist. That when John the Baptist, the son, listened through the lineage of Aaron, that when that came, you're seeing something there just beautiful. You're seeing the high priest, if you will. You're seeing the Lamb of God in the same place. You're seeing Christ, that very one that was to be there. The Word of God said the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my son, in whom I am well pleased. I've laid this out before, and I think it's really critical. Uh, How many have ever been through a rough time? Is there anybody that's never been through a rough time? 
I've seen one hand go up, and I don't believe it. But anyway, I'm going to move on. I'm just teasing. You've been through a rough time. The reason, and I love this, that when we look at, 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 at chronologically, that when we look, we see when Jesus was baptized. Was Jesus baptized before or after he went through the wilderness? Was Jesus baptized before or after he went through the wilderness? Before, of course. Now, somebody said, why is that so critical? It's very critical. Because if you see here, the thing that is so critical in this is that he said, Brother Roger, he said, the, 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 the very voice from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You need to know your identity when you are going through the wilderness. Because everything that Satan will try to do in your life, Kenny, or in mine, will try to rob us of our identity. So what's the first thing that the enemy brings to him? If thou be the son of God. Correct? Now, he had just left with that. That's the one thing that Christians have got to get in and have to solidify within their soul is the fact that when you get up from this altar, if you give your life to Christ, then you have a new identity. You now take on his last name. And when I say that, his last name is not necessarily Christ. But you take him on. And that way, these things are going to come. But if thou be the Son of God, command this stone to be made bread. Command these stones. Somebody said, well, why, why is that so important? Because I'll tell you this, even after you're saved, your soul, your soul, your emotion will hunger for the things of the flesh. So how do we overcome that? Jesus said, man shall not live, but by the very, the very word of God. So how do we overcome the evil one? By the word of God. You can't do anything. Satan, I am said, I can do all things through Christ. You don't have nothing. Listen, God's done supplied all of my needs. Listen, I'm bigger than you. You better hold on a minute. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And then you begin to take on the word, and then you have that identity to battle Satan with, to battle Satan with. So all of this, when we look, Jesus being prophet, priest, and king, we can see that he was that, and that anointing that come upon him led him or brought him to the place where he could overcome in that very place. And then here's Jesus. I love this piece of scripture. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. One of my favorites. That are somewhere we're looking at. Many times you'll see a church creed or different things like that. And like a mission statement, you'll see those on the walls. You'll see that. I think this should be every one of our mission statements. I think this should be our mission statement as a church and also Matthew 25. But the word of God says this, and this is Jesus standing in the temple, and I get such a picture of this, him standing there unrolling the scroll. I get this. The people are sitting around like this. Every eye is fastened upon him. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm wondering, Brother Stephen, if he even looks down to look at the scroll. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, when it says that, that word there anointed is the word creo, which means to smear. Okay, we're going to go deeper than this, but this is where this is at. He's showing us that he's the one. He's showing us that he is the one. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The word of God said, preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Somebody said, I can get the visual on those first uh, couple of verses there, or actually those first points that he makes. But in 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, what's that mean? That means right now is the time. When he's saying that, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, he's saying now is the time. And you all know the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story there in Luke. So you can see that he is the anointed one. He is Christos. He is that one that's brought forth. And here he is a prophet, priest, and king fulfilling all of those. Let's look a little bit at the priest. The word of God says this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 6. He said, but I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Now, what he's saying, one greater than the temple, he is really beginning to set that in their mind, them knowing that the high priest would be that one that they were putting in place. But he's saying one greater than that is here. And we begin to look at that. He's letting them know right then, hey, listen, there's a shift, if you will. (laughs) There's something else that is changing. All of this is coming forth. And he says this in John 2, 19 and 22. Jesus said this. Jesus has said unto them, he said, destroy this temple. Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in building, and you're going to raise it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. And then when therefore, when his, his disciples, or when he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had said at this very point, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Hmm. So now we're establishing as prophet and priest and how he's even alluding to all of these things and one greater than that. Somebody said, well, is he really a high priest? He didn't come from the sons of Aaron. He came uh, from Judah. Well, Scripture would tell us in Hebrews that he came after the order of Melchizedek, which had no beginning and no end, that that's who he is. And, man, it's a great study in and of its own. And what is Melchizedek? Melchizedek means that it's the righteousness. It's the king of righteousness. And that would be Jesus Christ himself. He goes on to say this. And not only is he fulfilling Christi, prophet and priest, but also king. The word of God says this. In Matthew 12, 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation. He'll condemn it. and, and shall condemn it for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold a greater than Solomon is here what he is doing is he is setting himself in, in, in a very humble way but Kevin in a very truthful way he is presenting this in such a way say I'm greater than that I'm greater than that and what we're seeing is this is that he's going to lay every bit of this down He is fulfilling at every level. He is fulfilling scripture. And he is fulfilling the offices of prophet, priest, and king. There's a fourth one that we can see in the Old Testament. And Jesus, we know this, is that some people will throw this in there too. But as judge, as judge. And we can see that through the book of Judges. We can see that through Samuel that operated both as prophet and a judge. So then when we begin to look at that, we can see this very thing. And now we'll move from Christos, which is the anointed one, and use this word for it. That when you see the word Christos there, it's the word in Aramaic, or it's the word here that we see in the New Testament, in the Greek, excuse me. But the word Messiah, say Messiah. We say that word, and you hear that word, and that word, I guess, if we were trying to pronounce it, it would be something like Mashiach. Okay, it'd be Mashiach. That is the Jewish term that means that. So as we begin to establish that, we look at that word in the the New Testament, you're only going to find it's the same as Christos, it's the same as Christ, but you're only going to find it two times, and it's revelatory. 
The word of God says this in John chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. One of, two, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first finds his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found, if you've got your Bible there, I'll wait on you, John chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. He said, We have found the Messiah, which is interpreted the Christ. So now, as Andrew's telling him, said, we found him. And this is really where it begins, if you will, to get a little bit deeper. That when I see this in my own life, I can say this, is I can say, you know what? When the Word of God said that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, not only did he find me, Sharon, but I'm so thankful I found him. Because I do not know where I would be. You see, I want us to have the mentality here in the church and in the body of Christ, and not just here but everywhere, that when somebody comes through that door, they're looking for something. They're looking for something. And can I tell you, every Sunday, you're going to say, we need to present Jesus. Preacher, you need to, you need to give them Jesus. Can I tell you, the first Jesus they will meet will be the first Christian that they see in this place. Can I get a witness? And guess what? If we've got... I'm not going to get critical. I'm going to stop. But the Messiah, we have found the Messiah. How many of you are thankful that you have found what you were looking for? And what was looking for has found you. The Messiah. Man. And that just seems so simple. But then look, it doesn't stop there just with the disciples. And you can imagine why, why, Brother David, does this mean so much? Because for 400 years, there's not been a prophet speak since the time of Malachi. There's not been anything. Brother Larry, it's been the dark ages, if you will, within that period of time. 400 years before he came, there's not been a prophet speak. There's not been anything. It's been dark. It's been silent until John the Baptist comes on the scene and he starts preparing a way. And listen, when they come with the revelation and he says, we have found him. We have found what we're looking for. When you and I get to the place, I'm going to have to preach. When you and I get to the place that money won't fix it, the best of beds won't give you rest, and can I tell you the hookup won't matter anymore or can't, can't fix you, how many of you know it still takes Jesus and he's the one that can satisfy your soul? Praise be to God. Every Sunday, somebody comes in here, and we don't know. We don't know. Maybe you come in here tonight, and you're thinking, you know what? I'm tired of my old life. I'm tired of this. Drugs didn't do it. She didn't do it. He didn't do it. That couldn't do it. That. Can I tell you, Jesus has already done it. Just get on. Coming to that place and for us to be able to say, I know what you're looking for. I can see it in your eyes. I see the drug ridden. I smell the alcohol. I see this. I see that. But can I tell you, I've got what you're looking for and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. <laughs> I got proof. You can be raised in religion and still find Jesus. John 4, 19, if you'd pull that up, one of you guys back there, thank you so much. Then the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. We've already talked about that. You worship, he said this in verse 22, You worship, you know not what, for we know what we worship. 
for salvation is of the Jews. This is really where I wanted to get. Do we really know what we worship? Do we really know who we are worshiping? You don't know what you worship. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in church. In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The only time that I, that I can record or that I see here, Stephanie, that we can find the word Messiah used is in what I just spoke about with Andrew in John 1 and then here in John 4. She says this, The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ. And once again, she correlates the two. She said, I know Mashiach comes, which is called Christos. And when he has come, he will tell us all things. Well, now up to this point, what has Jesus told her? He said he's been bold enough to say, the one you're living with right now ain't your husband either. You've had five. The one you're living with right now is not your husband. How many of you know is seven is God's complete number? How many of you know when you found him, you found rest? Come on, somebody. And you see, when you get to that place, and he says this, and she now, she's like, "Uh uh-oh, this could be him. This could be him. And she says that. And Jesus says, he says this, that I that speaks unto you, I'm the one you're looking for. You know the story about her. She heads out, man. She leaves, she leaves her water pot and takes the well with her, if you will. The well of living water. And she goes and tells everybody, I found him. I found him. One of the greatest indicators when somebody gets saved to me, there's a couple, there's a couple, uh, and, and maybe it's just what I like, but there's, I, I like when people say, man, I just feel like a thousand pounds has been lifted off of me. Do y'all remember the weight of sin on your life? Some of you are wondering right now, why am I so burdened down? Let me go ahead and preach that. The weight of sin will do it. I like hearing that it feels like a thousand pounds, man, has been taken off of me. The other thing is a great indicator Then they get up. I always want to ask them. I try to. I don't always get it done, but I say, hey, listen. I'll say something like, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus has done for you. Who are you going to call? Right? Y'all thinking Ghostbusters. I'm not, okay? <laughs> but who, who are you going to tell? And when they get up and they want to tell somebody that Jesus just saved my life, Christine, that is so beautiful. That tells me that there is a, a desire within them to tell somebody that their life has changed. And Scripture proves it. Scripture proves it. It proves it. It proves it. Now, here's what I wanted to get to. So we've talked about him as Jesus, as salvation. I've got through that quick, but it's easy to come unto Jesus, the one that's going to take all your sins. Okay? We understand that. That's the reason we present Jesus. With him comes that anointing. That when you look in the book of John, I think it's chapter 20, that Jesus, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Ghost. That was a new life. That was the new life that after he had that resurrected breath, he was breathing on them at that point and said, receive that. When you get saved, when you are born again, you get a new breath from Almighty God. 
It's a new birth. It's a new birth. But this is the part I want to talk about real quick. I alluded to this before. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. I know this is teaching tonight. Jake, I'm trying to follow a little bit more of the line of apologetics and to teach. I want us to know who we're serving. By the way, how many of you love Jesus? Why do you love him? Because he saved your soul. Let's give him some praise tonight. Listen, how many of you know he's living in your heart? You know what that is? Pat, that's the Holy Ghost. We should be able to bear witness, man, that the Holy Ghost is living on the inside of us. That's that anointing. That's a greater anointing. There's another, even at that, if you will, and the renewing of that through the power of the Holy Spirit. But now this is where it gets tough. And I've alluded to this before, but I want to go back here. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is, I'm going to take me a drink before I get started with some of this stuff. Say, I know him. I feel him. But this third level is different. I obey him. Mm. This is the next level. It's the third level. Billy, this is, this is the key here. You will not serve him as Lord. We will not unless we crucify the flesh daily. The flesh will not, cannot ever, cannot ever, ever satisfy the quotient of the soul and it getting to heaven. The Word of God tells us that. The Word of God tells us that, that we cannot live after the flesh and expect heaven. Hmm. Hmm. Stay right here just a second. Let me give you this. Because this is a real popular piece of Scripture. So if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Everybody that can. I know, I know we're Bible studying tonight. Praise God. Verse 1. Because this is what happens when we, we throw these words out, Jason. Many times we'll say things and somebody say, hold on a minute. Now you're judging me. Now there ain't no condemnation. Ain't no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So the word of God. And you know what? It says that. Look, in verse 1, chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. But it doesn't stop there. To them which are in Christ Jesus. Mm. Who walk not after the, who walk not after the, but after the, okay, as many, the word of God tells us, for you've not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's a deeper relationship. Now listen, this alludes to the law also, but this talks about us living in the spirit. This talks about us walking in the spirit and not fulfilling or yeah, not fulfilling the flesh, not doing that. So then if we're talking about, you know what, and that those very lines that I was giving you, this last step is the one that, that that's really tough. I obey him. I obey him. Have any of you ever worked a team of horses? Has anybody ever worked a team of horses? Thank you, Brother David, Brother Marty. Some of you have. Brother Larry, you've worked a team of horses. That I worked at one time, one time. But I'll tell you this, if you have got, if you've got a good match team that are on step, 
and on the same pool. And I'm going to tell you, it, a good team, those people that know, I got some good friends that raise the Belgians, you know, and they go to these pulling and, and man, I'm telling you, boy, when they get a good team, they'll get in there and they'll dig together. But let me tell you what won't work. What won't work is when you've got one horse pulling this way and one horse pulling that way. It won't work. You say, all right, Pastor, we know that's a simple thing. Now I'm going to compare you to the horse. How many times a day do you feel flesh and spirit warring it out in your soul? It's there. Now, if any of you have ever worked a wagon or, or, or with a team or something like that, what's the thing that separates the two? It's called a tongue. How many of you know you and your wife or you and your husband should be one? What separates you? Or what pulls you together? It's the same thing within the body, having unity, that when we speak the same thing. And Scripture talks about that. It talks about the unity of Pentecost, Brother Larry, and what it brings. That when we speak the same thing, that when we speak Christ, that when we speak Jesus, no critical words, no jealousy, no envy, Lord, but we come to that place and we begin to speak those things. Can I go ahead and, and relay something to y'all? I got this last week in the Spirit. Turn to somebody and say, you got to say it to slay it. I'm going to tell you this. There's power in the spoken word of God. There's power in that. And we just, we all mealy mouth. Sometimes you got to say it to slay it. Now, I'm not talking about a uh, nab it, grab it. All of this kind of, I'm not, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel and, and blab it, grab it, all of those. I'm not talking necessarily about all of this stuff. But what I'm telling you is there's power in the spoken word of God. That when there's a storm in your life, I know Jesus raised the hand. I know that things begin to stop, but he didn't stop there. What did he say? Three words. Peace be still. That when the enemy, I've already alluded to this, but when the enemy come against Satan or excuse me, come against Jesus. He spoke. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that does what? Proceeds out of the mouth. Now that doesn't mean if I need $5,000 that I just speak. I say, Lord, I need $5,000, but can I tell you something? If you'll give him the need, <laughs> if you'll give him that, look out. Look out. Instead of letting the tongue separate, we should let the tongue bring us together. Husbands and wives, if we could do that. What are we having tonight? Hamburger helper? I hate hamburger helper. Fine then, don't eat it. Tongue begins to separate. Tongue. Now, as simple as this sounds, this is where we've got to begin that in obeying him and beginning to walk in this. So the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. Remember, this is about flesh and spirit. But now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols even as you were led. Can I stop here and talk about dumb idols for just a second? Thanks, I will. What this talks about is that we think about just dumb idols, idols that couldn't speak. But this also takes on mysticism. Let me tell you something. You better be real careful what you open the door to. 
Because some of these things that we may have or some of you that may have had in your homes, can I tell you something? If you've got a Ouija board, get rid of it. Listen, you say, man, I just like, boy, I like when them old, them old, them old horror pictures come on. Man, I, I like that, man. That does something. Man. I'm going to tell you this. The chill running up your spine, that ain't the Holy Ghost. There are many spirits that went out into this world. Some of you ain't been shook like I've been shook. Now, in saying that very thing, even as you were led. And here it is. Here's what I'm going to get to. He said, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaks, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. Okay? And that no man, get this right here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. No man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the what? By the Holy Ghost. This is real simple. Your flesh does not want anything to do with obeying anybody but itself. Watch. Turn to somebody and say, you're not the boss of me. (laughs) Husbands and wives, Amy, I should let you say that. You're not the boss of me. So you got kids, so you know they're your kids. Well, God knows we're his kids too, but we'll come to this stage in our life with God. You're not the boss of me. It happens. Whether you want to realize it or not, this happens. And this is the word curios. This means that he's not father, just father. This means that he owns everything. He owns you. When I was talking about that before and alluded to that point before, He owns everything about you. What? This is the next step, man. And this is the part that this is the third level, man, of your walk with Christ. You're going to be walking this until you go home. But the quick, until you go home to be with Him. But the quick, the quicker, I don't know if that's right. The quicker. That you get to that point, the more freedom you are going to have and you're going to quit pulling against God and you're going to get in line and you're going to pull with Him. And you're going to become one. The Word of God says this, that how could a man say that he's one with God and still be joined to a harlot? That how could we today, and you know I'm going to preach to you, how could we say that, well, I'm born again, I'm this, and we're still, we're still laying with the old man. This is real, this is real, guys. And I know, man, go ahead, we'll put grace on the screen real big if that's what you need right now. But this is real. Well, they can't talk to me like that. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You ain't got anything left to give them. And when you get to that place, this is the part that really when we come, and I'm telling you, it's the walk till we go home. It's obeying Him. It's making Him Lord of your life. I'm going to stop right here and give you just a moment to ponder in your life what he's Lord over. I'm just going to give you a moment. What does he absolutely own? Can you say your thoughts? 
Can you say your actions? Can you say your finances? Hold it, preacher, not my finances. Now can you say what he doesn't own, which is just reciprocal in itself? Hmm. The thing about him being Lord brings on the kingship, and that's, that's really the third level there that I'm speaking about. You've heard me say this before, that when the king, that when we look at the word kingdom, that when we, we talk about that, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. When we look at that, we just pass by the word kingdom. We, we, Charlie, we study or we think about, we say we're kingdom-minded, not really understanding what the word kingdom really is. The kingdom word is basilius, and it is this. It means realm, reign, and it actually brings on authority. And what that means in the kingdom that Jesus, how many of you believe Jesus is our king? He owns it all. Now, that when we alluded to that before, and, and Katerina, I think about this a lot. We visited some castles when we were there in Germany. And what they would tell you, and this would be the thing, that everything within that particular domain, it was the king's. Every rabbit, every squirrel, every piece of firewood, everything belonged to the king and even the people. The sad thing today is this, is that we talk about kingdom, and I don't know how much of this really translates into our heart and into our mind. Can you say tonight that Jesus is my Lord? I told you, it's different. But the closer, Tammy, that we get to that, the more we begin to understand that this unity in him brings such power because then we don't come out there and we don't come on our own accord. We say, the king sent me. And me and the king are one. Wow. Almost done. Almost done. So when he says this, no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. My flesh don't want to talk about it. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. That when somebody says something, it begins to offend you or whatever that it may be. How many of y'all been offended? How many of you, have you ever been offended by the word of God? I've just preached on this lately. I, read, I, I don't know how you all handle the Word of God, but I, Luke, I'll get to it and I'll say, come on. I'll look at it, share it. I'll just be like, man, i got to do that. Lord, you know the way they treated me. But you can't do that. You can't call Jesus Christ. You can't, call Je you can't say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Jake, will you come? I won't be much longer. Now, the reason that this is so important is that we quote this piece of Scripture, and I say it a lot, and I fly right by here, and so I guess I'm kind of repenting before you that I've done this, that the Word says in Philippians 2, 10 through 12, Larry, the Word says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. When I bowed down that day and I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't realize what it took to give my life to the Lord. But at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Everything, and when it says that, and, and of the things in heaven and things in earth, and in verse 11, and every tongue, now look here, the tongue, and every tongue shall confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father. The Word of God says this. Now, how many of you believe you're free from sin? Some of you are like, ah. Uh, How many of you believe the Father wants you to be free from sin? How many of you believe he made a way for you to be free from sin? So whatever it is today that's keeping you from God being absolutely Jesus being Lord of your life, he has the power. And if knees bow and tongues confess that Jesus, you are Lord, what's that look like? What's that sound like? I believe in the power of the spoken word, like I said. What I believe is this. I believe it's Jesus as Lord of my life. You have the power over this addiction. It's beginning to correlate it that way and beginning to say you own me. Do you realize the first aspect that Jesus owns you and the Father owns you? Do you realize the first thing that he owned was your sin? That's the first thing he took ownership of. Every dirty, rotten thing we've ever done. He owned that with the hope, not just in you, but the hope of the precious blood of Jesus that it would be shed abroad upon each and every one of us. That we would take heed, not to Him, just as, just as our Savior, not just as Jesus, to become Lord of our life. So the Word says this, being made free from sin in Romans 6, and 23, and becoming servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And then 23, which everybody knows, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through guess who? Jesus Christ our what? Jesus Christ our what? Curios. Jesus, salvation, the anointing, but now the ruler, the Lord of my life. Paul and Silas, one of the most picturesque, I'm closing, one of the most picturesque pictures in the Bible to me is, is Paul and Silas there and probably what I would say was solitary confinement and somewhere in back and I've, I've got them chained in my mind and they're chained at their feet and all of those things and I hear rats squeaking and I hear this going on. That's my picture. And I see them, it's a cold, it's damp, it's, it's all of that. And they could have been sitting there and saying, we didn't deserve this. We were speaking your name, Jesus, and we're speaking your name. We were trying to tell people about you, and look where we ended up. What did they do? They start praying. They start praising God. And then the miraculous happens. Earth shakes. Prison doors come open, chains fall off. And the very one that held him captive runs in, ready to take his own life. Because he knew that their life was in his hands. But in just a few, just in a brief moment of time, he's going to find out that his life is in the Father's hands. So the word says, and he brought them out, and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe. Charlie, I love it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. The word said this. They spake unto him the word of the Lord and that all that were in his house. And I like that. They laid out the plan right there, Larry. I don't think it took that long. But they laid it out. I believe that's what happened. They spake unto him the word of the Lord to all those that were in his house. And that very same hour of the night, they washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. So the word says, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. And I'll close again. Paul starts out chapter 10, and most people believe, some people believe, some do, believe that this was directly, absolutely just straight to the Jews, and no doubt a Jewish audience here within Rome. But I believe also to others. Verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul starts out, he said, My earnest desire for my countrymen, I'm paraphrasing, my greatest desire is that they would come to know Christ. They have a zeal. They have religion. They don't know Him. And then he says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all those that call upon him. And then verse 13 that I love and I quote so often. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of the Lord is Jesus Christ. But to make him Lord of my life. Guys, tonight before we pray, and you can pray here, you can pray there, you can pray wherever. I just want you to pray. I just want the Holy Spirit to bring us in together. I want to ask you, what is it tonight that's lording over you? What is it tonight that, that you submit to? What is it tonight that you say, that's, that's just, that lords over me? Is it anger? Is it greed? It could be all kinds of things. But what is it tonight that lords over you? Is it hurt? Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, the same shall be saved. Well, Brother Wayne, I did that 20 years ago, and I've still got this coming up. The same shall be saved. Not that you're going to be saved again, but coming back to the place of saying, Lord, I need you right now. You need to be Lord of my life. And have victory over that. Hmm. So my question tonight is this. Is he Lord of your life? Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Holy Spirit, come. God, tonight, it may be the attitude. It may be, I, I don't know what it may be. God, you sure know mine. And Father, today, as, as we just come before you and, and can just really, we just kneel ourselves, not just, not just at our knees, not just bowing, but God, really coming to you. And I confess this is sin. 
confess this greed. I, I confess, God, these things, these thoughts that have led to my actions. I'll bring them to you. Now, the reason, guys, as you're praying, the reason this is so important is that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Christians, I think for us, I I think there's a oneness that we need to strive for. Lord, I want to be more like you. More of you. (laughs) But you may be here tonight and you say, you know what? I I need that first step. I, I need Jesus in my life. You need more than than the coming to church Jesus. You need the real Jesus. That one that saves you and sets you free. So Lord, tonight we we just ask that you do what you do. It's in your name. Amen and amen. There's some work to do. Let's come pray. Let's come pray. It's a bold statement. But can I tell you, Kenny, the Holy Spirit will work with us if we say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life the Holy Spirit will do such an amazing work anybody ready to do it let's pray let's pray if you're here and you're lost tonight come 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 give your life to him come thank you Jesus
that the Holy Spirit brings us back to you continually. I hope He wears you out with it like He is me right now. I really, and I mean that. Good place to start. Turn to somebody and say, He's, is He the Lord of your mouth? Y'all are going, I just can't believe He just said that. Watch your mouth. You will be amazed. Life can change. Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.